Good afternoon, Jamie. Hey, Keith. How's it going? Doing pretty good. This is a podcast recorded on the proper two-week cadence we've done it. Boom! Almost didn't happen. You reminded me because our, uh, my, um, my invite ran out. Yeah, calendars are fun. 2021, I figured, you know. Maybe we'll be alive, maybe not. So I just stopped at 2021. So Yeah, I uh, really wanted to record this one since I dominated the entire previous episode with all of my stuff. I want to know what's going on in Jamie Wright's world. So that's why I, w- I had to make sure it was on the books. Okay, okay. Um, I think, is that just a cover? Because maybe you didn't do as much this, this time? No, I got a crap ton done. But Oh, yes. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, well, uh, I'll start. I'm only going to go back a couple weeks, though. So Okay, that's fine. So we don't get crazy on this, on this episode. Yeah, so I, uh, well, first of all, I want to, um, it seems that you have lost a battle. What battle did a I A battle lose? that you should have won, but it seems like you have lost it. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the plate stack. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm a little upset about this. Because the, I am ob- too, because the first, obvious first answer was yes. not the one chosen, and I named it like six months ahead of time. Granted, they're right about the not being loud enough thing. I, n- I never try to project my stuff, but it was the obvious one. It's right there. It's, it's right there. And and they got it. Yeah, you weren't loud enough. I mean, they got an article on Changelog. Uh, they're, they're talking about it all the time. So and pedal, yeah, it was in, I mean, it was in the Elixir Digest uh, email yeah. list that I yeah. subscribed to. I'm like, man, I, I really just need to talk more. I'm just uh, I never share anything with anybody. So yeah. yeah, when I first saw it, I was like, pedal, what is that? And then they 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 named it all. I was like, wait a minute, this is plate. This is kind of like that license plate game, you know? Uh huh. I was like, dude, plate is so much better. Like, it's obvious. Anyway. I think they they actually, um, you know, to your benefit, they actually do feel bad that they should have went with plate, but now it's like out there. So yeah. Oh, dude, I would have just changed the title of the article afterwards. Just put a little strike through through pedal and be like, have an update in there. Like we missed the, right. the obvious one, so they'll be just rearrange these letters a little bit. Right. Right. Yeah. Maybe just uh just do a um a PR against that uh, change log, um blog post. Oh, that would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome that'd be awesome um yeah i'm a little disappointed in our in our 30 um our 30 subscribers you know our uh what is what is it uh stand-up soldiers they didn't really uh come out and and promote plate stacks so so our stand-up soldiers need to need to get to work well at the time anyway. when we talked about it i'm pretty confident i was the only person on the planet using the plate stack not really. Not really. There's, there's absolutely no way I was the first person using it. Maybe the first person with a podcast using it. Maybe, or there's some other schmuck out there with a podcast where he just talks to himself, who was also using it. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was a little disappointed. Pedal. Yeah, it was kind of a anyway. funny one to get brought into on like a Saturday, and I'm like, oh, this is sort of funny. <laughs> I, I liked your response. You said, uh, "Yeah, but plate stack." Uh-huh. And a, and a, I think it was Lars or something. He's like, oh, man, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've been working on uh, Tetsu slash Jubei um, for a bit. Mm-hmm. And what I found is, uh, you know, I worked on Jubei a few uh, last month or so, kind of exclusively worked on that. And I was like, oh, I need this method and I need this method. And uh, this is right after the bot architecture. And mm-hmm. then I started 
implementing these in Tatsu a few weeks ago. And I was like, you know what? That method doesn't make that function doesn't make sense. That function doesn't make sense. Why would I? Why why is this so verbose and stuff? So uh, I've kind of had to rework some stuff in uh, Juve because um, what I'm working on in Tatsu right now is basically just the ability to OAuth, uh, which I got done. I'm just using Uber Auth, mm-hmm. um, and then once once the the user is off. We either need to find or create the bot uh, with the name that's uh, provided from OAuth, and then uh, add that user to kind of the state. Uh, so that when when a user OAuths, they could either be signing up or they could be signing in uh, okay. with Slack. Uh, you really don't know. So once I started using these functions I already created in Juve, this is when I came to the realization like I should really be starting these functions in Tatsu and extracting that. Um, into uh, Juve. Yeah, but so, thank goodness for dog fooding. At least you are finding yeah. these things out early. Uh, I'm curious, could you bring Juve into Tatsu 2.0 as like an umbrella application for a little while and develop yeah. them side by side and then just extract Juve later? That is actually a really good idea because um, I ran into this issue a little bit. Right now I'm just using, uh, well, I was using like a path to bring it in. Mm-hmm. But in CI, in the CI world, that doesn't really help. <laughs> so yeah, you, true. Yep. Right when you when you build your app, it's like, well, this path doesn't really exist. And so, getting, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of like adding like another repo mm-hmm. somewhere to pull it in and in, in CI. So I was thinking, okay, well, I'll just uh, I'll just use a Git and just always point to main um, to the main branch, um, which is okay. But maybe the umbrella app actually is a little bit better. Hmm. It would allow That's you to not need to like make commits on separate repos as you're really feeling out what Juve needs to work like. And then once you're ready for it to be like, you're like, okay, I think I'm standardizing on this API, then you can extract it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very similar to kind of base camp approach. Yeah, which I think makes that, sense. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to lose those commits though. Like I don't want to lose that commit history. You know what I mean? Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that would be a downside. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not super stuck on commit history all too often. Um, yeah, as long as it paints the picture like a, I want it to paint a lot of times, then I'm okay with it. But uh, I'm cool with that, like with private, you know, company stuff, like mm-hmm. Tetsu or whatever. But like an open sourced API, I'm not quite sure. Um, I really, I really enjoy like looking through the history of, of various open source products so does that happen for things that are extracted from other stuff like i'm, I'm kind of curious if like yeah so my most recent base camp interaction right has been using tricks inside of juniper's lab and i'm i've never looked at the commit history to see if it's just like the day they started it they have the commits there or if when when they wow well, that's a bad example because they might have just made it public um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it started inside of Rails, you know what I mean, or inside of Basecamp, yeah. if it, or if it started as a project that they just pulled into Basecamp. That's yeah. yeah. I wonder if yeah, I wonder if they do. Yeah, they they probably have the same conversation we're having. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've been using actually. I've been using um, Hotwire a bit. Actually, more just stimulus, but I'm getting into Hotwire. Yeah, stimulus is kind of cool. I like the ideas stimulus there. Is actually, pretty cool. It's yeah. a nice little JavaScript sprinkles. Um, sprinkles 
Although I ran into an issue, but I'm not going to get into that on this podcast. Um, we don't want to talk about Ruby here <laughs> or JavaScript. Wait, we've already done that. Um, I have to talk about JavaScript on my my ooh, side. Of things too. I'll, I'll edit that out. Um, yeah. So um, the one, the other thing I was going to do is I wanted to bring Uber auth or basically the OAuth functionality into Juve because I don't want to rely like I want that to be part of uh, Juve. The issue is I don't. I've only worked with UberAuth and Phoenix projects. So yeah, you don't, don't want to pin somebody into needing UberAuth, like if they have their own OAuth solution. Yeah, yeah. So I think I might hold off on that and just just leave it separate for now in Juve because UberAuth and just it's pretty easy. Yeah, it situation. might be one of those things where you just have like an OAuth driver configuration thing for Juve and mm-hmm. you just ship with the Uber Auth version by default. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Similar to how, you know, Phoenix has uh, JSON modules that you can use and it like it, it utilizes JSON by default or JSON, sorry. Um, but you could use uh, Poison if you wanted to. You just have to configure yeah. what module to use. Yeah, I do. I do want those events, though, like basically authenticated events like the way juve is going to be structured is all the events are going to go through the bots um, and then the bot is going to be configured to like use uh this mvc framework so that way if somebody doesn't want the mvc framework and they just want the kind of the bot stuff um, maybe they're using a different web framework or or they don't want the mvc stuff in there um, from juve not a different web framework, but they, they just want to use um, the bot functionality. I want that to be possible. So that's just another future decision I have to make, like how that's all integrated. Because all this is going to go through routes and stuff eventually. Mm-hmm. But right now they're kind of inside Phoenix controllers and things like that. So that's the only thing. But that, that could be the only point where that's not inside of like a... Uh, a Juve controller or route or something like that is this is this authenticated piece. Okay. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna work on um, on that a little bit more. I just have uh, one more function to create, which is kind of this user install function that's gonna work like this. <clears throat> it's gonna be a behavior that has uh, some callbacks. So when you when you call this this function uh, and you specify uh, kind of the map of um, data that comes from OAuth, mm-hmm. it'll look at, um, the default way is it'll look at the internal state of the bot to see if like it's a new user, an existing user. Because a lot of times in bot apps, like if it's a new user, you want to maybe introduce them to the bot or uh, you want to give them some sort of onboarding experience, right? Okay. If they're that just signing sense. in, yeah. right? You just probably, you know, you may want to add that to your stats or, or whatever you want to do. So those two experiences are different. So with the default, and to know that if it's a new user, an existing user, you probably want to hit your database. So the default uh, implementation of, is this a new user or an existing user, is just going to look at this bot state. And then uh, the implementation, the implementer of Juve could override this function and look at their database, for example, and determine if it's a new user and existing user, and then that will call different callbacks for them. Okay. What do you think about that? 
I'm, I, I think that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. I almost have to see the code a little bit to get a better, <laughs> better feel for it. But is that one that it makes sense to have a default handler for that just checks the bot or whatever? Or is that something that like basically every time you're just like, no, you're going to need to handle this yourself. Yeah. It's probably the user's probably going to want to handle it, but like, I don't want it to blow up with some error, like not implemented, like the default state of checking your, uh, the bot state, I think is a pretty good default. Okay. You know, and it's easy, right? You just yeah. look at the, yeah, so, which brings me to, uh, something else that needs to be reworked in Juve is kind of the, this this bot state idea. Um, so I, I think I got it pretty well defined. I've been kind of creating like a notion doc with some of this documentation that I'll basically convert. So it's going to be on the Juve site, but I, I've, I've kind of had all this documentation in my head as we're going and I, I just wanted to put it down some way. So I've been using a notion document for that. Nice. Notion's pretty sweet. I just started using that notion and it's itself. very cool. Yeah. Have you ever played with Rome? Side, side note. Uh, no, I have not. I've heard about it mostly through. That's the thing on the art of product, right? Like, have um, they been talking about that? Is that the no, kind Rome of graph? Like a, yeah, yeah. It's kind of similar to Notion, is what. Like, there's a lot of. There was like a period like a month ago where everybody's like, "Oh, use Rome. Notion sucks." And now it seems like everything's integrating with Notion again. So I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the differences are. Yeah, no, I haven't really. I, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I'm only using Notion to manage my D&D campaign at the moment because sure. the database feature is actually pretty sweet because I can be like, oh, okay, these are locations that I've built and reference them in other areas. It's it's nice to be able to just spin that up sort of on the fly. Yeah, that's cool. It's gorgeous. So yeah, uh, that's I'm going to continue that. And then the next step after that is getting kind of the DM architecture. So when this is a new user, mm-hmm. um, also, also it's going to determine if this is a new install. So did somebody just brand spanking new sign up for this service? Is this a new install um, and a new user? Then you're going to want to like do some different onboarding. So makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That flow, that whole flow, I want to have done by the next time we, we chat. Okay, cool. Uh, and then the other question I had for you, kind of related to that bot state, is my original idea was to have one bot that responds to all the services. So if your application supports Slack and Microsoft Teams, like you're still going to use that same bot, although the way you ingest things and send messages back out to those services are going to be different, but I want the logic to be the same. Um, and I actually kind of want the responses to almost be the same, but at some sort of like view layer, you can change those. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my idea. I don't know how well they're going to, it's going to actually happen because I haven't really added a, uh, another service. So I want, I'm wondering now <laughs> if I should also build another service why I'm building Juve as well. Not another service. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Another Tatsu. implement, yeah, of Tatsu. Yeah, in Microsoft Teams or whatever, right? Gotcha. Um, that seems like a lot of work. That seems like it's going to delay this release. So I don't know. Well, yeah, I think I would maybe look at it from the angle of just you right now. Like, what's the most important thing you can be working on for this? And yeah. 
if if Juve is the most important thing, then it might be worthwhile going down that route. If getting Tatsu 2.0 out the door is the most important thing, then I would say go down the path you're currently going. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's probably the take I would have on that one. But yeah. it might be worth looking at it in terms of like, okay, what's the experience if somebody is only going to be implementing one service to interact with? Mm-hmm. Is that going to be cumbersome? If like, is the logic that I would add for... Microsoft Teams, for instance, is that going to make that experience less good, right? Because do you think people are mostly going to be building bots for one platform or are they going to be building bots for all platforms or multiple platforms, you know? That, that's, yeah, that's kind of the, um, that's kind of one of the major features I want Juve to be able to do is the fact that it's kind of like a build once and be able to use in multiple places with minimal model work. Okay, well, then that kind of answers that question for you, I guess. Yeah, but I think the way you framed it before actually answers the question. Like, getting Tetsu 2.0 out the door is actually the most important thing for me. So I think, just through our discussion, um, I think I'm going to continue down the path of just using Slack. Mm -hmm. And as I'm building these features, I'm always thinking about multiple platforms. So, like, the state is, like, the first uh, node in the state is is the platform. So that it's going to be able to work with multiple platforms. Now, is that state going to work on multiple platforms? Is it just like, this is just going to be a giant memory hog of, you know, I, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm kind of getting into like too much of the weeds there. And I think what, what can happen is Tatsu 2.0 can come out, Juve, let's say, let's say it's 1.0 or it's 0.5 or whatever is released to just support Slack. Right, and then mm-hmm. like the next version will d- d- support Teams or, or whatever, or you know, Alexa or something like that. Yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense. And based on sort of the roadmap that you probably have for Tatsu 2.0, I would imagine getting it moved on to another platform is going to be kind of high on the list. Like it's because mm-hmm. that allows you to get Tatsu into more places, and mm-hmm. it allows you to dog food the creation of this stuff for Juve. Yeah. So yeah, that's that cool. seems to, to make sense to me. Uh, the other thing I was working on that um, actually last night I decided to stop was I was working on uh, uh, applying to TinySeed. Oh, okay. Yeah. TinySeed yeah. is like a, an accelerator program for bootstrappers uh-huh. created by the people at uh, over at MicroConf. And I was really excited to apply um, with Tatsu. The, the issue is because if I could work on this full time, Mm-hmm. Like the amount of work I get done on this is is going to be, you know, our podcasts are just going to be, you know, all of me talking because I'll be able to get a lot of work done. Yeah. Um, well, it wouldn't be but, side work uh, anymore, right? Exactly. Change exactly. things around. Um, and that that application is due on Sunday. Um, the issue is though, the way I keep track of subscriptions in Tatsu currently it's hard for me to determine like what the MRR is and what uh, lifetime value is and all these metrics that tiny seed would love to have. Uh, they don't say uh, they're it's, they do ask you in that in the implement uh, in the application, what those are. And I could figure those out, I think, mm-hmm. um, but it's going to be a lot more work. My, so my plan was, Oh, I'll just, I'll just hook my stripe into like profit. Well, or bare metrics or, one of these services. But the issue is there, 
the way I determine how to charge for tattoos, I don't do it the way that these services like. So basically the, the base subscription is $0. And then every mm -hmm. day I go and check how many users, active users they have, and then change their invoice. And then at the end of the month, whatever that invoice is, they're billed for that. Mm. What I should have done, which I don't think this was available when I when I tried when I implemented Tatsu the first time, um, was Stripe has a quantity field. So like I charge one dollar per user per month. So the subscription base cost should have been one dollar, and then I just change the quantity mm -hmm. as the month goes on. I think that way would have worked with all these um, nice services that give you all these information um, points really easily. Gotcha. Um, so I just found that out, like I've been going like back and forth with support and trying those out over the past week. And I'm just like, none of them support the way I'm doing it. So for me to like extract these numbers by Sunday, it's like, it's just too much work. Mm -hmm. And the uh, next time to apply is going to be in June, May or June. I think the next uh, cohort starts in June, but I think gotcha. it's apply in May. So I'm like, ah, that, that might give me... That might be, you know, that might be the goal that I make to get Tetsu 2 out the door and start, um, you know, adding these services uh, into ProfitWell, adding Stripe into ProfitWell and all that stuff to get these numbers out. And also gives me more time to find what my previous numbers were. Are you going to just swap your, in, like, billing over to do the quantity-esque thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to fix the billing. Um, actually, I might be going to plans in Tetsu 2. Um, tattoo right now is just, it's just way too cheap. And I'm thinking about doing, uh, just tiered plans for the next one. Gotcha. So yeah, that's what I've been working on, man. I'm going to work on the next two weeks. Nice. Yeah. Sounds good. Good to hear some, I mean, doesn't sound like you necessarily would be the most happy with the progress that was made, but I think the, the dog fooding aspect and figuring out the like, oh, I did some things inside of Juve that just like, don't make sense now that I'm putting them into action. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's good to find out. So that, yeah, it makes for a, a good time and kind of drawing out the path that you want to go through. Uh, cool. cool. So what's up in your world? Uh, okay. So over the last two weeks, I don't remember what I set my actual goal to be. I think it was probably get my deck list image creation and sharing business done. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. So something like that. And I did, it's actually not working on my like deployed server at the moment because I think I'm running into like a memory issue with like image magic and taking the, the architecture for this is a little weird, but so the way that I do this and uh, you can tell me if I'm nuts or not is I have a Phoenix like endpoint basically that it just like its entire job is to render a canvas to the screen. So it renders an empty canvas and that renders a bunch of hidden information about the deck list and then some uh, an actual, I think it's, yeah, I run some JavaScript code that goes and then grabs that hidden information and then geometrically draws out this image that I want with like a background pattern and my logo and all the cards in there with like a hexagon holding onto the quantity of the card and stuff. So like it generates this big image. And then I have, when somebody modifies their deck list, I trigger a background job that goes and hits an external service that I wrote that hits that API endpoint, takes a screenshot, returns the image information, and then my application uploads that to S3. 
Yeah, that was that was kind of the thing you you wanted to work on. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but I remember you you wanted to create basically the ability to create a screenshot from a from a canvas. Yeah, so I built so that. You got that work. Oh, yep. that's awesome. Um, I built it and the screenshot taking portion, I actually just built a small Node.js application. It's like 70 lines of code, just putting together Puppeteer and Sharp and doing some stuff there. But it uh, it takes a lifetime to actually respond. And I don't think I have enough RAM on the server that I'm running it on inside of like in the cloud. So that uh, well, that's- are you, are you making these like large images? Like these images are like- large and then you're scaling so yes yeah that's my other problem is i make the image like super duper uh detailed because the card images that i have are like pretty big by themselves so i'm like well if i have these big high detail like images for cards i should just create a gigantor canvas with these things and put them in there so it's like a 4k image and uh Hmm. I'm like, okay, that might, that's a little, uh, and then, well, I scale it down to be 1080p every time. So I'm like, why don't I just build it to be 1080p? Like, and Mm -hmm. then I'll be good. Do you think that'll solve your RAM problem? uh, We'll see. I mean, I still have like a gig of RAM, so it shouldn't be that bad. But with this whole thing, the, I'm just not good at working with Node.js stuff because I don't do it basically ever. So I'm running it like if I run into problems with it, I'm just like, I have no idea what's going on. And there's not like since I'm, I'm using Express, which is just like as bare bones as it gets by default anyway. And I'm like, I have no logging for stuff and it takes forever. So I'm like, OK, screw this. So literally like five minutes before we hopped on this call, I created Screen Shooter, which is a Phoenix app that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, I will, it'll probably take me like an hour to more or less figure out the container build process or like all the things I need to install on the server properly to get it to work right and uh, deploy, get that whole thing sort of working with Mogrify and uh, Wallaby, which are basically the two things I would need in Elixir land to do the exact same thing. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm kind of reworking that mostly for comfort and tools. Uh, yeah. the, the reason I used node originally is actually because I was going to try to just draw the canvas in node using the JavaScript stuff. Cause you can do that apparently. And then just export it as a screenshot from a server and not need like a web driver or anything like that. But, um, yeah, but moving into Elixir, like you've got infinite capabilities. Yeah, so like exactly. I, node, I know what I'm yeah. doing there too. Right. Like that's. Yeah. That's uh, the thing that's helpful there. So it's, yeah, not going to take me any time at all to kind of get that export, but it actually works really cool. And the nice thing is that I built the the canvas thing. Um, I built that as basically just like a component that I can render on the screen as like a freaking massive one, or I can render it on the screen like the actual show page for a deck list. I can render that on the screen as like the hero image, and it'll just draw itself onto the screen when somebody visits the the like show page for a public deck list and it looks pretty sweet that's sweet so uh, and then you're going to catch those i'm assuming and things like that so you don't want to draw those every time do you it's not really expensive to draw as far as i can tell i mean i guess it could be the the reason i draw it is it's really fast so um it's fast in terms of as soon as somebody makes a change to their deck list, the next time somebody visits the like show page for that, it'll automatically have the right image because it's drawing based on live information. But you're probably right. I probably should just cache a small version of it and just render an image. 
Yeah. Um, just, I mean, when traffic picks up, you know, true, I just true. feel like that's going to be like a, a, a pain point. But I mean, if, to be honest, like I wouldn't like do it now, I would ship this thing and then maybe take a look at it. Again, you know? mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's there and that's done. So I need to, to fix that. Um, I don't know if I talked about it, but using DigitalOcean's uh, app platform, deployments were like really, really slow because it would it's basically watching a branch in GitHub and it would pull it down and build it and the builds took forever. So I was like, all right, they that's just how it worked originally. And then like a week or two ago, they announced that you could deploy based on images inside of the DigitalOcean container registry. And I'm like, well, I'm building for, off of a Docker image anyway. So I uh, built a Docker or a GitHub workflow for when something is merged into master to where it just builds a Docker image, pushes it to the container registry, and then that triggers the deploy. And it cut the time by like down to like a quarter of what it was for to actually deploy something. It takes like a couple minutes versus like 15. So wow. did that. That was cool. Um, I started started using Oban for background jobs inside of uh, a Phoenix app. And so, so yeah. how is that? Like, because Oban seems to be just a small wrapper around just regular gen servers. Like, yeah. Right? Or is it, so it's, it's, is it it's a wrapper around gen servers, but it gives you like scheduling and it'll do retries and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. more or less like I can see exactly what the creators are going for. They wanted Sidekick. Yeah, and yeah. which is makes sense because Sidekick is amazing. Like I've never used any sort of background job tool that is as cool and as nice as Sidekick. In fact, one of the things that's free on Sidekick is the web dashboard for it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's like a pro plan for Oban. Like, so I understand this guy wants to make it sustainable, but that's just like if that were free, I would be so happy. Um, yeah, I've been. Uh... I got some things to say about Sidekick. I love the, you know, I love the API. I love uh, Sidekick itself is fast. It's just the fact that it's based on Redis is is kind of a like a, a big issue, um, like my client's application. Oh, gotcha. It's well, Oban's cool. based on Postgres, so if you, oh really? Uh, yeah, Oban it's uses not the Postgres. No, it uses Postgres as a data store for that stuff. You can maybe configure it to not use it, but I maybe I don't know. As far as I know, it just uses Postgres out of the box, which is is fast enough, man. Yeah, so Postgres does gets the job done. Um, The problem that I have run into is it's like really hard to get insight into the things that are failing because I have no dashboard for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or it's like, I'll have a job state that failed with exception. And I'm like, well, where, how do I go see this exception? Like, there's literally no place for me to see this other, other than like, there is an exception. Sweet. I don't know what it is. How much Uh, is the, how much is the, the the dashboard plan? It's like, well, the pro plan or whatever that they have, which has some like extra plugins and stuff on top and the dashboard is like 40 bucks a month, which I'm be honest with you. If I get, you know, a hundred users on Juniper's lab, I will probably pay that. Like, because yeah, like it won't take long for me to be able to be like, okay, cool. I just want to be able to see the state of my jobs. So yeah, that's, that's uh, a thing that I'm working with and I like how it's working. It's just, yeah, that's just the one little struggle for it. Cool. Um, So do you just create like, like quote unquote workers? Yeah. uh, You just create jobs and then there's like a, yep. uh, A way to kind of queue those up. 
And yeah, they, cool, they work pretty, pretty smoothly there. Uh, I've been using Caffey for a long time as my like admin panel for Pokedex or Juniper's lab. And I uh, had some, there's some like automated job things you can do in there. If you have like periodic tasks that you just want it to do. And one of those things that I have to do is I have to import new cards on a daily basis to see if there are any new cards on the API that I use. And if there are import them and get everything set up. And that like stopped working a while back. And I was like, huh, that's weird. This is, this is kind of odd. And I looked and it's because the documentation is a thousand percent not correct anymore. And it doesn't error. So <laughs> I uh, did some source diving and found out how it actually works now. And I need to submit a PR to change the documentation to show how it actually works. Because literally, like if you do what it says to do, you will get zero effect. But the code you write just will never run. So it'll never yeah. throw an exception, which that was a bit of a bummer. But over the next two weeks, uh, I'm going to release this sucker. So that's that's really what it comes down to. Because two weeks well, from yeah, yeah, two weeks from Saturday weekend. is my birthday. So yeah. that that's the release day, and I'm yeah, I'm sitting pretty good. A lot of what I have to do still is like cosmetic, uh, just like improving. I'm going through and kind of doing an audit on colors. Like, am I using any? indigo or something out of tailwind still and, and some like you know thing i ripped out of tailwind ui so make sure that the styles look good uh i have to do a couple that are like legitimate things which is, you know, in terms of styling some stuff like the card details page i need to actually go through and style that and make sure that looks good but that's just like one page so not a big deal it's used all over the place um what i need about to billing? yeah billing's the other thing and I'm not super worried about it because I'm going to leverage Stripe as hard as I can for that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, that's really kind of the other one. Uh, this morning, actually, I swapped all of my database identifiers, like my primary keys, over to UUIDs. So I, uh, that's, I'm glad that I decided to do that now instead of later because I basically had to nuke my entire database and just be like, I'm just starting over. And Why did you do that? Why did you uh, mostly that? because I hate it when you're... Uh, checking out a new site and you can tell that it has sequential IDs and it's in the like tens, you know right. what I mean? Like, right, right. uh, also because I am generating deck list images for private deck lists too. In, in addition to, uh, to ones that are public. And I didn't want people to be able to figure out the like scheme I use on my CDN to, to go and see like somebody else's deck list that isn't theirs. Uh, that might like be <laughs> what? Like parlor. Uh, you hear about that? no, or like the Nazi site, uh, like that's like the Twitter Nazi site. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard about that. And then they got shut down and then there was like, they let's got bomb, shut down, bomb but, AWS. but all their deleted, you could still like their API still allowed you to get all the deleted things and people figured out that you could just in, increase the, you know, increment the sequential number and get <laughs> all the deleted stuff. So nice. Good work. Okay. Um, good work. Nazis. Um, that's pretty solid. Yeah, so that, that's, that's funny. Cool, man. Uh, yeah, that's a good yeah. idea. That's a good idea. So, and it's actually not that hard to do in Ecto. Uh, right? Like, there are some configuration values you can set in Ecto. And in fact, you can actually, when you're generating a new Phoenix app, there's an option to use binary IDs. Oh, cool. And so that's something that's worthwhile to, to kind of check out there. But yeah, so swapped all, over all that stuff amazingly. It took me like 10 minutes to get everything like swapped over and like everything just worked. And I was like, sick. I had to remove a couple spots where I was, and, and this was actually a nice benefit, is I had to remove a couple spots where the ID was used as a parameter 
in the URL and I had to parse it, turn it into an int so I could use it uh, to query the database. Well, when they're already binary, you don't have to do that anymore. So that worked out perfectly well for me. But cool, yeah, that, that pretty much uh, sums it up. So yeah, I got, felt like I got a lot of stuff done uh, while dealing with carpal tunnel. Like I've been dealing with like really bad wrist pain. It, well, okay. So I think it might be carpal tunnel just based on where the pain is at, but it conveniently popped up like the day after I did yoga. And mm-hmm. so I have really weak wrists and I think I might've just dog downward dog too hard. Yeah. That's like a yeah. legitimate thing. I got two down on my dog, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's been a rough thing. It's getting a little bit better, but yeah, my mobility in my wrist has been like complete crap. And for a couple of days there, it was like, I couldn't type. So I just didn't do anything. I was going to ask, like, how are you dealing with that? Like, I'm doing, being a lot more uh, explicit about the, the actual posture that I'm using with my hands. Like we had a ergonomics expert come give a seminar at work, uh, like a month or so ago. And that was like actually kind of eye-opening on like how you should sit and like where your keyboard should be positioned and stuff like that. And so I've been doing a better job of working on those things and it doesn't hurt surprisingly where when I do that. Keyboard be, uh, uh, basically right at the edge of your desk, your wrist shouldn't be resting on anything. Uh, that's, that's why there's those wrists. Like, do you use a wrist pad? Uh, no, like your wrist really shouldn't be resting on anything. It should be like floating. Like you just have to hold your arms up more or less because then it, there's no pressure like applied unevenly on your wrist. Gotcha. So yeah, it was and interesting. Yeah, it was definitely what? I don't think anybody does. That. I've never seen anybody. Like, yeah, do that. exactly. That's the, yeah, it's one of those really weird things, but it, I find myself sliding my keyboard back throughout the day and then I have to be like, oh crap. And I have to move back towards yeah. the front. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I dealt with a little bit of pain. Uh, last month, I was like, dude, this is like the first time I've ever like felt like pain in my uh, wrist. So yeah. that sucked. Yeah. Cool, man. Uh, yeah. So next next time we chat, like you're going to be, we're going to be deploying your app. So- uh, yeah. I mean, well, so yeah, I'll probably deploy it while we record next time because that'll be on the 5th of February. And then that way, on my birthday, I can have Stripe be as annoying as possible and send me a, as many notifications as it can, uh, <laughs> as you know, That's it hopefully bad. gets. So I think that sounds like a good plan. Um, yeah, I turned on the, you know, I turned billing back on for Tetsu, and I'm getting those Stripe notifications again. It's it's a good feeling, man. It's yeah. Good feeling like, oh wow, look, people are paying me to use this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah, it's yeah, a good birthday present. It's yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. So. Cool. That's where we're at. All right, man. Well, I will uh, chat to you um, next time, one day before your uh, next birthday. Sounds good, man. Later. All right. See you.